GM, I'm Matthew Diemer, and this is GM from Decrypt. Hello, everybody. It's Thursday, March 9th, 2023. We're in the afternoon, and we have a special episode for you. Chung Lin, an investment committee board member of L Bank Labs. And he comes on to talk about investing, the markets, how to pick winners, and how to pick losers. Just really quick, as you guys do know, this is just a conversation with somebody who has been investing in the crypto space, and this is not financial advice. This is just a conversation, exploratory, educational, for fun, entertainment, but not financial advice. Enjoy this conversation with Chung Lin. Chung Lin, how you doing? You're part of the Investment Committee Board of L Bank Labs. I'm very happy you decided to come on the show. Yeah, thank you for well, inviting. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, one thing I've heard about and we were talking about when you were coming on the show is your unique investing thesis. And it's dubbed the platform standard ecosystem. What is that? What does it mean? Well, uh, we, we call it internally PSE. It took us a couple of good months uh, end of last year uh, when we are about just to enter the new investment round. As we all know that when the market is most bearish, it's actually the best time to invest for the primary sector. Therefore, we think we are just almost around, about, uh, around the corner. And, we, and with that being said, <clears throat> we did took some time uh, right before investing to look deeply how does the current uh, macroeconomic and our crypto scene look like before we move, in, move into a move. So we came up with a thesis called PSE, Platform Standard Ecosystem, that's uh, rather unique to the way how everyone else says about investing into crypto in different stacks, right? I mean, we can all we all understand how the stacks works. I mean, because you layer zero, one, two, and middleware, upper, lower, middle. But the thing is, what we what we really want is that we understand at every time there's a new bull market or bear market uh, that ends, uh, we, we shall look for a different angle. Because if we constantly look for the same thesis throughout 10 years, uh, throughout three different crypto cycles, I mean, dude, that's, that's just going to be weak. Uh, that's inefficient. Because the market changed so fast, uh, so fast and so much at every cycle. Therefore, we decided we must find another way to look at this uh, this industry uh, for the new new investment uh, cycle to come. So uh, the reason why why we come up with PAC is that we believe the next bull run uh, is uh, it's gonna be like the next really concrete bull run after the government most of the government be, uh, regulate crypto in uh, cryptos. So for sure we're gonna see a lot of injection of capitals that are from bigger institutions than they, they were before in the last bull run. And with that injection, what is most important is that the injection comes. So are the users. Because your user retention, stickiness, is actually the biggest issue right now we are facing. 80 or 90% of people leave between bull and bear market. Therefore, we are targeting, I don't I don't mind whether it's middleware uh, that provides service to B2C or to C even sometimes, or it's, whether it's a DAP or whether it's a layer two and stuff, whatever, whichever circuit does, as long as it can re- retain its clients, its users, uh, stickiness that they provide, uh, in a very fashionable way, that's something what we consider uh, a standard, uh, 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 sorry, a platform. That's why we should invest into all these sectors that provide these kind of services. I want to go back just a little bit and talk a little bit about that. You're, so let's just talk about your thesis really quick. First of all, stickiness. That's that's funny. I haven't heard stickiness since my MBA. That word used in that in that way. 
Uh, but going back to what you said about looking at the different bull runs and seeing what is going to be leading that bull run. I think that's what you said. And so if we look back around 10 years ago, it's a layer one protocols. We're talking about the Bitcoins, the Litecoins, Dogecoin. Even though it's a joke, it came out as a layer yeah. one protocol. You want to be investing in that. Back if we want to talk about uh, 2016, 17, 18, we're talking about uh, layer twos, maybe ICOs, um, those kind of <laughs> those kind of investments. This last one was obviously DeFi. We're talking about metaverse. We might be looking at AI in a future. So you're basically saying my thesis is we have to get ahead of what is going to be the new tech that is going to be built on blockchain or part of Web3 and focus our investments there. Is that correct? Yes. I will have a little twist. It's that uh, I, I don't mind still investing to layer two or whatever other layers as long as they provide, uh, they can stand and explain themselves to be a platform. That they can explain it so to aggregate and pro provide value or values uh, within the ecosystem with a stronger stickiness. I'm super interested to look because I think we're still in the early stage. A lot of those things that can be still uh, improved. That's why I I try to jump jump out of the box of a typical layer one, layer two, layer uh, middleware segment, as you mentioned. And other thing you said was correct. I mean that's how the all this bull cycle were last time as well as DeFi in the last uh, DeFi summer uh, before. So let me let me ask this question then, because I know that we have a, a wide variety of people who listen to this show. We have a lot of yeah. expert investors. We also have you know the mom and pop, the retail that maybe don't do this their full time. They you know are either you know truck drivers or they work in a restaurant, and, but they do like to pay attention. So give us an example of like what you just said. You said yes, there's different techs or innovations driving different bull runs or being the leader of different bull runs, but you still invest in, say, the layer ones, as long as the platform can stand on its own and retain its customers or retain the investors. For example, I would say something that is a layer one that retained you know, interest is Bitcoin, obviously. Uh, it, that's okay. some, something that that retained. Give, us a, give, give me an example of a layer one that you thought maybe would retain and have a platform that would sustain, but did not. For example, Polygon started, right? Initially, they, uh, or near, or near will be a great example. Initially, they also wanted to be part of like layer one, but then they sort of move up, up the layer up, knowing that they cannot just beat over the Ethereum developer and the econ uh, community ecosystem. Therefore, therefore, they move themselves upwards, right? Wanting to be like the, the, the faster, or whatever you want to, you want to call those rainbow bridge and things. And uh, yeah, so those are the ones that perhaps like did, maybe did not find their own space and then just moving forward up, uh, for, uh, upwards. Right, and then it, it it is very congested in layer twos, as you know. Right, even Coinbase started with their base, and and then you got Optimus, Arbitrum, everyone is moving into that direction. We even asked uh, internally speaking, it's a side topic that whether the, the the new layer twos are just gonna feed over the tier two layer ones we we so called before. But that's uh, that's still uh, we are still within uh, the stack uh, conceptions here, which is correct. It's easy to understand because that's a language we've been using for years. Uh, but what I'm also trying to see, like, well, see which part of it moving upwards now has the capability of really, you know, like uh, become a platform. Obviously, layer ones, layer two, they do have the stickiness uh, the platform would con uh, would want. But just those two segments are so congested, uh, it's just really hard for some of the projects to, uh, some of the project, meaning some of the, the new layers, layer one or layer two, to find its own place. That's Ooh, a, does that answer your question? 
It, it does. It does. But it also brings me more questions about your, your investment, thesis, <laughs> your investment thesis. And I think that you choosing Matic slash Polygon um, was a, was a great example from layer one to layer two. Now is, uh, you know, dealing with that layer two level of, you know, becoming faster, more throughput using or leveraging the Ethereum network um, and, and basically finding their own fit. And now you say that that's getting congested. That whole idea, you know, you said Arbitron, Optimism, you know, base and so on and so forth, making the market congested. And that actually brings me to the obvious question. You said that we are still early. How mm -hmm. does a smart, sophisticated investor um, without having lots of capital, because that's what, a, you know, a lot of investment companies do is they'll just throw a lot of capital out there. And, they'll, and one, if one, like, for example, um, an angel investor, you know, somebody that's getting started up. So, you know, an early investor would, you know, just spray a lot of capital out there. And when you hit a big one, you are going to hundred X your, you know, your money. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're good. And so these losses from the other one is fine because I'm going to kill it with this one. I don't have that kind of money. And me putting a dollar into all of these, uh, these layer twos doesn't make sense. So how would a sophisticated investor, somebody that's thinking about this holistically with their, say, stickiness, you know, and, uh, you know, creating a viable project for the future, will be able to pick one that will last and not go the route of a lot of these companies like that came out in the dot-com in the 90s. There's only a couple of winners and losers that came out of that. Um, how would you look and what would, what would be your guiding principles to find that that company, that investment? It's a very simple, direct question, but it's very vague, actually. <laughs> I mean, uh, everyone is, even if not just for individuals or even funds, everyone wants to spend the least money and then get the lar largest return of you know, 100 or uh, more X. I think uh, when it comes to that, I would just you know, uh, break into a few, few segments uh, to answer that question. The first one was actually, it's always the people we look into. Like, no matter whether it's this thesis or that thesis, but at the end of the day, the project is investing into people. Uh, if you want to have 100x, it's typically early stage. It's, it's the people uh, you have to understand. It's their own characteristic. Very often, projects shift their directions as they move on forward, right? I mean, I usually uh, give an example. I, I highly, I'm not so sure whether Jeff Bezos uh, was going to make a AWS when he started the, the online bookstore. Every every startup, there, there are tons of challenges. It's always the people that whether they can find a way path upwards and then uh, well, become stronger as, uh, at, after every cycle. So uh, the first answer is always the people right, that we, we look into at the early stage to get 100 plus, plus X. And the second, uh, coming back, uh, attaching a bit to our thesis, they understand their industry. Where I think, uh, in our belief, in terms of the PSEE, right, the first platform, I really believe that Right now, uh, if they want to move forward, uh, they need to really, they need to think open-minded. They can't just think very silo because if they do so, they will never be able to to understand the power of aggregation. Therefore, the power of community. Therefore, the the possibility to expand uh, faster and then uh, remain stickiness and creativity during a better cycle. That's why I constantly think uh, address platform. And I know that sometimes for some of the colleagues, even uh, within the industry that we work with, they uh, they do somehow find it a bit harder to understand just because they're new, right? People are so used to the stacks. And this is, as I constantly repeat, this is correct, except we are trying to understand from a different perspective beside, for a different angle, besides looking vertically, like you have different stacks stacking on top of each other. Let's try to see if there's a, a characteristic that penetrates vertically through all of them, and then we believe that PS is something that uh, PS we that's something we really believe that you can find 
from a different angle, I create layer twos even, I create uh, middleware, I create tabs with the P perception. Again, I have another question that came out of this. You know, it's it's, it's not um, every day you get a good opportunity to uh, talk to a professional investor about the this emerging space as it being new. Somebody needs to be here, as that you said. Do they understand the ecosystem? Do they understand the 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 space? Um, do they understand yeah. the tech? Do they understand the history and the possibilities of the future? Um, when you're looking at the people, they have to understand that a good CEO is going to understand the evolution. Uh, but I have two questions out of that then. How do you find somebody that you can trust as a founder in the space? And I asked that from a very hard lesson everybody lo- um, learned in this past year. Uh, did, did you Could you trust Alex Mashinsky? Could you trust SBF? They might be good founders. I mean, they may have, say the right things. That you may, they might look like the right, but would would those be the characters that you would have invested in, meaning your guidelines? And then hindsight, you're like, oh, damn it. I I, I guess those were the wrong founders. <laughs> that's the first question I have to that. What, how do you know in this space that has been plagued with bad actors or poor operators um, or both to make a good investment? That's the first question. Second. How do you trust the data when you're looking at uh, the books of any company? You have to understand, like you know, how, like their burn rate, how much money they invested, what they're working on. You said, like you said, the P, S, and the E of this of this company. How do you trust that the numbers are accurate? This is a space that has a lot of ways to obfuscate the actual numbers of their business models. How do you do that? So, two questions. Yeah, the people is actually the hardest. If I remember correctly, for uh, from an interview I heard like over a decade ago by Jack Welsh, former G, uh, the legend, right? He said it himself, reading people like if he gets 50, like one out of two, 15% correct out of people, he considers super success. People are actually the hardest to read. That's you know, just the way how it is. And uh, one thing that we should uh, redefine internally that who are we investing to? We, and we, we actually pay a lot of attention right now to team formation. Usually like a single founder, great, but uh, a two or three founders, co-founder is actually a much stronger formation. Their benefit, whether it's, it's reasonable, like one owns 90%, the other two has five plus five, that doesn't make much sense. right? We do want to have some, uh, the either equity or uh, token proportion between all the, uh, to be rather reasonable, yet remaining one of them still majority. You still need one person to make the final call whenever uh, emergency training comes. So we try to look into a uh, project. We evaluate them by the team formation, not beside just the person. And when it comes to the uh, formation of the uh, of those guys, we actually prefer the second time startups because they went through the crypto cycle. They know how hard it is to manage a company at the same time manage a token. Uh, manage meaning like they had to care and you know the community how they feel. So therefore, they come back and redesign the token matrix that make it more sense. Uh, so usually we have we can divide to three three specs, geniuses. I mean, I believe SPF is a very smart guy. Uh, that's how you also able to uh, go around everyone. Uh, everyone that also believes Zach is very smart. And uh, so basically, it's either genius and actually those are the hardest to read. They're just so smart that you usually investors. That's why so many great VCs also invest into them. So that's like one one segment. The other is uh, the other group I would consider a typical guys that want to do their crypto startup and their first timers. And then people that have been in the crypto, the second timers, 
And then the third, fourth timers, whichever, like plus two plus, let's call it this way. All of these four categories, actually, we actually feel more comfortable investing to the third category, the team that has at least one or two out of two or three co-founders that have had a crypto startup experience, but once. Because that gives us a very good track. How did they deal with the project that failed or succeeded? With the investors, with the community, because that's the that is a most direct reflection on their actual behaviors. Whereas the the first timers are a bit trickier because they lack the experience. Uh, typically, the failure rate uh, is higher. <laughs> typically, but not always. Uh, all those statistics. And the last one, when someone does within three years, three or four startups, is tricky. Yeah, whether that team can as consistent to move forward because very often the vesting schedule is one year or two years. So you don't want the project to be to be yeah, vested the moment they're they already they're already doing their third or fourth startup. And then with the geniuses, it is indeed the hardest to read out of those four four segments. Yeah, to answer the first question about the people. And to a second question regarding to the uh, to the stats, this is actually one of the pre, uh, beauty of blockchain that a lot of statistics that are, are opened and there are more and more tools today. <clears throat> that actually provides a very interesting stats visualization that allows you to know whether it's bots, cumulated addresses that, that, that is making that that statistic and show to the investor that, you know, I have a great trading volume, but if it's, if, if it's a text, you just see it through, right? Where all the addresses are, are somehow together, all the fund that paid gas actually coming from the same address of those the same two or three addresses two, three months ago. Right, so they are so that that is actually a beauty of blockchain that is open, and there are more and more tools around today that we're actually investing, likely to be uh, to use them for the more for due diligence purpose. Last question, really quick, and, and I wanted to ask you about, and we're going way over our five to seven minutes, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> my my last question is about the trend of startups in this space. Um, there's always been, and there always is incompetent people starting up businesses, bad actors starting up businesses. And I see that we've, we're catching more, or I don't know if it's catching, more and more of these startups are being exposed as either bad business owners or bad founders or just bad bad actors. Do you think that the trend is going to be in the future that we're going to have, see as just as many bad actors in the space as previous? Or do you think that we're going to see much more quality good actors plus good operators and good founders coming into the space and maybe blockchain technology will be able be able to be used to weed them out easier or not yeah i mean <clears throat> that's a in, in my opinion that question is actually very philosophical uh according to uh, the old mandarin uh chinese saying there are always two debates whether people are born evil or whether people are born good like so the bad actor or, or proper actor i believe the traditional finance and other traditional finance in many sectors whenever things are so easy to be made which just happened in crypto in these cycles there were so many of the double x triple x stories when easy are so easy to be made i think it's a human nature uh, not nature human uh, character that needs to be controlled themselves that to still behave. When when money are so easy to be made, people tend to to be lazy, go shortcuts. Unfortunately, those men, the the typical common morals, and end up being a bad actor even if they did not want to in the beginning. Just taking so many shortcuts and you just get lazy. 
you get lazy, you always try to find the easy way, and then the money is there. You, you think you, you made the money more than what you actually desired in the beginning. You just you know take things the wrong side. So what I really believe that uh, even though uh, I know that crypto is a lot about free, uh, about this free um, economy and decentralization, uh, but I do believe certain kind of regulation will help us formulate uh, the structure to protect uh, as well as investors as uh, as many others. Because being an investor, it really takes time and to learn through. And not every household shop face that much of a risk with their whole house earning or mortgages, right? That's why certain kind of uh, regulation uh, is, is actually indeed good, but yet not break the innovation that we are bringing in on blockchain and crypto space. Okay, so that brings me to another question. And I know this is a habit of mine. I always say that that was my last <laughs> question, and then I have more questions. It's um, okay. Do you think that retail investors should be allowed to participate? I think that's one thing when we talk about regulations. I mean, there's not only the um, how to classify the cryptos, uh, securities on security or unregistered securities or commodities or so on and so forth, money, not money, how to tax them, uh, how to establish businesses within the, the ecosystems. Um, you know, there's so many things that we could talk about when it comes to the business side of it. But a lot of things that people say is like regular regular people, the retail investors, should not have access or have restricted access to um, these, in air quotes, risky investments. Do you think that all retail investors should have access to these investments? Many of my personal friends, uh, I will call them retail investors. Some are wealthier, some are less. Uh, I, whenever they come ask me crypto, about crypto stuff, I usually don't refer them for primary investments or this other platform because uh, it's very easy for them to be tricked and fall, fall into the wrong path, I typically just advise them, you know what, just go CMC, CoinGecko, find the top five liquid projects, buy them, hold them. That's it, just hold them. It's unlikely for them, for, for, for so you as my friend, would be I'll say, it's unlikely, unlikely for you to look at the chart every day. It's unlikely for you to understand what's really happening in the crypto space. Just you know, buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, few other major liquid, most liquid projects. Whenever you feel uncomfortable, you can cut your loss, sell it, but I would always suggest them to hold three, four, five years. It's probably the easiest and less risky and still enjoy the beta of the market that we are having. And I still, I still think our beta is bigger than the uh, the traditional market. Facing, like, it's not financial advice, but facing a couple of good eggs is within a couple of years, it's, it's better than $14, in my opinion. That did not answer my question, though. My question was, do you think that retail investors yeah. should have access uh, to these investment um, sources, Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever, or, or do you think that they should be restricted <laughs> in a way? I think they should, but I would suggest highly suggest them for the uh, secondary liquid market. What would be that restrictions? Restrict them to the top 10, restrict them to the highly liquid um, cryptos, uh, restrict them based on how much money they earn, restrict them to how much they could invest. Like there's so many different ways to yeah. say this. Yeah. Yeah, again, again, and if you if you say one thing, you're, you, you, it seems with though, and that's the thing, it's like, oh, you have to be an accredited investor. That means, oh, okay, only rich people can make more money. Okay, so now I'm not an accredited yeah. investor. I only have maybe $1,000 in my bank. Can't I spend 500 of it to buy Dogecoin and hope hope for the moon? I mean, are you restricting people's ability to to create wealth, to create opportunity? What do you think? Uh, I wouldn't restrict. Uh, like I think restricting is a uh, it's uh, a very dangerous dangerous road. I would rather really spend more time restricting them. I would really uh, suggest spending more time learning them, learning the risks that you are facing. 
right? Uh, restrict, uh, you know, whenever it comes to restrict, it's against a childhood. You can't eat the candy. You look at the candy every time when, when, when parents leave, just grab the candy, right? <laughs> and actually make things more risky. I will re- really spend more time, like, you know, uh, understanding and suggesting to the crowd, look at liquid invest- investment. And few things I would always say, don't necessarily go grass, try to get like 100x to the moon or this kind of story. It is really much of a story. I hear most people actually losing money than they actually made 100x to the moon. So uh, to the to the people, to the listener we have got on board, really understand the risk. <clears throat> Even though right now it is not <clears throat> that uh, you must be aggregated investor, but look through the risk and look through uh, how much you can lose if it goes to zero. Uh, to nothing, spend time safely, conservatively on the top five from coin market cap, buy them and hold them. Don't panic if prices drops 5% or 20%. Hold them, uh, have belief that it's going to come back. So obviously, the, none of this is financial advice. And um, obviously, and but the answer to your the answer to that last question is don't restrict investors, retail investors of any income level or savings level. Make sure that they have the adequate ed- education to understand the markets, to understand investing. Is that correct? Yes. All yes. right. All right. And last question. <laughs> this is a, <laughs> this, fourth last, last question. I love uh, it. It's good. Uh, fourth last question. And you have to answer this one because everybody tries not to answer this one. Do you think that we're going to see another Bitcoin low this year? Or do you think that we're going to go sideways until the next bull? Obviously, not financial mm-hmm. advice, everybody. This is just somebody's opinion. This is just a, basically a, this guy's educated guess. But what do you think? Do you think we're going to see new lows of Bitcoin, or do you think we're going to just stay sideways or go up from here? Uh, we believe that Bitcoin, uh, as um, it will fluctuate between the box, but unlikely to see all-time high. Uh, the typical historical trend, all-time high comes a half year after halving. So halving is next year in May-ish, right? depending on the block. Right. But that's somewhere somewhere there. And this year, uh, it, sh- it should, and I would enjoy it not go to a new all-time high because in this in that reflects a good timing for primary investment. Mm. So that's why we we did the whole thesis of uh, platform standard ecosystem right now. So we make sure that we we invest in the right timing. Chang Lin, thank you very much for coming on, talking about investing, going way over time, um, and I appreciate your insights, and I hope that we get a chance to talk again. All right, thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this episode of GM. We'll be back tomorrow morning with daily news. And until then, happy hodling, everyone.